everybody. Welcome back to Crime and Coffee. I'm Allison. And I'm Mike. It's good to have you here. Yeah. Hey, you too. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Oh, you were talking to them. Yeah, I was talking to them. You live here, okay. so... It's probably good to have me, I would imagine. It is good to have you. Yeah. Always. Thank you. Thank you very Always much. Always and forever. Yeah. Well, I got my coffee here. Thank you so much for brewing some. It's You're delicious. welcome. Um, got that nice uh, espresso shot in here. Yes. So. Gotta have that Nespresso shot. I remember you got me that machine for Christmas, like maybe four or five years ago. And I was like, what's this? We already have a coffee maker. And you're like, oh, no. And you created a monster because those pods are kind of expensive. Well, it's a nice way to add like another $30 bill per month. Exactly. Yeah. Because then it's just, you know, sometimes there's so much money in the account. You want to get rid of it as quickly as you can. So like, what else can I add? You have, you know, Netflix, Hulu, um, your other monthly things like, you know, grass cutting and things of that nature. But let's add some espresso pods. Exactly. So you're welcome. You should say you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, but my dream is always that I wake up to somebody having brewed me coffee, but mm. because I get up the first in the household, it never happens. Way to set your goals high in life. So unless you start waking up at three thirty in the morning, then you won't be brewing me coffee. Yeah. Well, I leave some pods out for you. Yeah, that's with, sweet. From time to time. And uh, you're all about kind of saving time. So just being, you know, maximizing efficiency every time. So something little like that, like that, that's why it's so weird that you're, somebody making you a cup of coffee is such a big deal because it's a it, takes, treat. it takes one step out of your, your morning. It's just such a treat to have a prepared <laughs> cup of coffee handed to you. Right. Yes. Yeah. I'm always enamored by that in the movies when somebody comes in with one of those like coffee carriers and just surprises someone with handing them a coffee. I'm like, that never happens to me. Why doesn't that happen to me? Nobody brings me coffee. I love, yeah, that's another thing I love watching movies like romantic comedies, like where they're like, hey, a guy bought this girl a car or he like, you know, made a book and published it and it was all about her or wrote her a story or wrote her a a song and sang it in, you know, Manhattan or something like that. You're like, why don't you ever do that for me? No, I don't. Well, those were extreme examples, but um, you know, consistently... What I find successful is if you compare your life to like movies and always like thinking, why don't I have the things? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a recipe for disaster if you're trying to compare your relationship to that of a movie scene or mm-hmm. even a book scene. Right, right. We were watching that show, Nine Perfect Strangers on Hulu. Wonderful show. And Melissa McCarthy's character is an author and she said, um, don't ever compare your relationship to something you're seeing or reading i look at you right away yeah i don't do that maybe (laughs) when i was 25 years old i did that but reality has hit me like a ton of bricks don't you worry mike and and his name is mike his name is mike (laughs) and he's sitting in front of me i mean i've been trying for years to set those expectations super low so it's not like you know without trying really hard like for instance mike took over on our family friday pizza nights we make homemade dough he was making the dough because i was working two jobs at the time and then all of a sudden, our daughter saw that I prepared the dough for whatever reason. We were short, like you were doing something. She's like, this is the fluffiest dough ever. Oh, my gosh, it turned out so good. And you're like, well, mommy made it. And now I'm back to being the dough maker. Well, it's, I'm glad you're part of our family experience. On well, Fridays. I was always sitting there on the bar stool watching you guys make pizza. Yeah, and barking orders, like turn around. <laughs> I want to be able to see you guys. You know, we're in the midst of making pizza. We don't need to be parked at. I sometimes want to be left out of you're these like, tasks. Whoa, 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 whoa. Turn around. That's basically what you said. <laughs> That's what like. I sound like to you? Yeah. Great. Thank you. But, uh, you had a good week this week? I had a good week. Busy as per usual. Yeah. But work's been crazy for me. It's just uh, end of quarter and the sales time. And it's uh, time to get stuff done. So yeah. we'll see if uh, some things can some 
things can close. But you know what I like about um, the weeks where you do stories is I just get to sit down and be a listener just like the rest of our listeners. Here. It is nice. Yeah. It's, it's nice to just sit back and listen to a tale. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like I'm not you know directly contributing because I'm you know not actively um, re- researching something. But at the same time, you know, we're all researching in the background for the next story. And all yeah. That, somehow so. I don't think you are, though. You know me. I like to prepare. I like to have a story in my back pocket ready to go. I um, I work better with deadlines. Mike and I are very different. Which is why we work. Like what they say is you fill each other's holes yeah. in, in more ways than one. You know <laughs> oh what I'm saying? Oh my gosh. So inappropriate. <laughs> so anyway, I guess we'll get started. So this is my week to present. And this little lady that I'll be talking about. Lady? A lady, yes. Whoa. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, her name is Vicki Don Jackson. And you know you're a good person when a nickname that's you know, assigned to you is the angel of death, mm. right? You yeah. know, you're going to be a good person. Sounds like a good tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> the angel of like, death. Oh, don't mess with that chick. She's got the angel of death on her shoulder or tramp stamp. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Vicky here was, is, well, she's still alive. She's an American serial killer. She killed at least 10 people between the year 2000 and 2001. So mm. very short span of time. Wow. Um, and this was all done in one location, Nakona General Hospital in Nakona, Texas. Okay. And she used a little drug called Mivacurium chloride, or also called Mivacron. And it's basically a skeletal muscle relaxant that's used with anesthesia for a surgery. It's also used um, when a patient's being put on the ventilator, being intubated. So she's a doctor? Or- no, she was in the nursing field. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. You know what's interesting? How people like when if somebody says they're a nurse, they're like, "Oh my gosh!" And then they think they know everything, like a like a doctor or like anything else would. Which a lot of times they do. Yeah, nurses are the ones that are with the patients for twelve hours. You know, whereas a doctor breezes in, breezes out. Granted, they're the ones that are prescribing, and then the nurses are you know administering. Sure. Nurses, I work obviously. I I don't know if I mentioned I work in a hospital. I'm a clinical dietitian, um, but I work very closely with nurses. And doctors, but um, nurses have a very hard job. That is no doubt in my mind. And, you know, I might deal with a patient that's just a real piece of work for 15, 20 minutes, whereas they're dealt with this person for 12 hours. Well, and you've talked about being a nurse before. You were like, well, maybe I should go to nursing because it's in demand. And, you know, you can kind of call your shots in some areas, depending on what kind of nurse you are. Right. Um, You know, traveling nurses make it. I mean, if you're young and you're looking for a gig, like traveling nurse is kind of the way to go. It is. Yeah. If you have that freedom and to move around because they're paying for your lodging, too. And you get bonuses for it. And you get to see different parts of the country where, you know, now even if I did go into nursing, I'm married with two kids, I would never leave my family. Right. But you still have more opportunity. I love what I do. Um, but, you know, if I could go back in time, I would consider nursing. Yeah, I don't but, know why I didn't at the time. So sorry I took you off the trail. So she's a nurse? Yes. Well, she's a licensed vocational nurse or something like that. Okay. She's not a registered nurse. Got it, got but it. Um, anyway, there's not that much that was known about her very early life. But she was born on February 13th, 1966. She actually was born in Indiana. But um, her family moved to Nakona, Texas in the early 1980s. She was 15 years old. They made the move because her brother had asthma and they were looking to relocate to a drier climate to help his symptoms. So that's where they ended up there. And it's a very, very small town in Texas. Um, They did not have a, a lot of money. They basically purchased a rundown home on Henrietta Street. It's a cute little name. 
It was a street on the east side of town. Her mom was a cook at the local nursing home, and her father was a shade tree mechanic. Did you know what? Do you know what a shade tree mechanic is? A shade tree mechanic. The first thing that would come to mind would be cutting down like branches of a tree. Yeah, that's what I thought too. But it has nothing to do with trees. (laughs) Is it a specific kind of tree or something? No, it has nothing to do with mechanic. No, no, no. So what it is is he is an automotive mechanic, and it's basically somebody that works with very little equipment. Oh, so if something goes wrong, they can basically pop over to your house and fix something without a machine shop. That's stupid. Yeah. That so. sounds like a Texas term. I don't know hey, if it's go a get Texas. yourself one of them shade tree mechanics. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a Texas. It's more like drawn out. Uh, get yourself a... Oh, yeah. You have to have a lower voice, too, because a lot of you know cowboy kind of stuff. Like, get yourself a shade tree mechanic. So, I don't know if that's on over. Uh, old like terminology or if it's still used to this day. I had never heard of it, yeah. but so I had to look it up. Um, and anyway, so her mom was the cook at the nursing home. So Vicky decided to take a job at the nursing home. She was basically working in the laundry room just to help the family's finances because they weren't, you know, very well off. Sure. Um, and then she ended up being promoted to a nurse's aide her junior year of high school. Um, and then when she was younger, too, she had watched her grandmother die or great grandmother, excuse me, die. And she realized that she had wanted to dedicate her life to nursing. She'd also read a book about Florence Nightingale. And she decided that's, you know, she wanted to help people. The chick that flew all around the world. Yeah, I don't really know that no, much about Florence. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, she's. A, I don't know that much. About <laughs> I was making her. a joke that I didn't know many things, but I'm glad you don't either. <laughs> oh. So that's good. No, I know who she is. Oh yeah. But I didn't know if she located around the world to tell people. I don't. No, know. that was Amelia Earhart. Is what I was uh, making a joke about. But so, what does Florence Nightingale have to do with Amelia? Nothing. Earhart? That was the joke. Jackass. That was the beauty of the joke. Okay, go on. <laughs> So, um, you know, when she was growing up, there was no red flags. There was nothing indicating that she would turn into a monster. She basically kind of faded into the walls. She was described by her peers as a wallflower. Um, She wore secondhand clothes. She really just didn't stand out very much. She was very rarely noticed as she walked through the halls of her high school. Um, she'd come home from her shifts from the nursing home on weekend nights. She would try to, you know, get herself gussied up, as they say in Texas. <laughs> get yourself gussied up and, after you go um, to your shade tree mechanic. <laughs> well, that's her father. But anyway, she would change into jeans and a tube top, a little sassy tube top. And she'd hang out at the car wash next to the Dairy Queen. I don't uh, know. I guess in small towns, the local teenage hangout spot is near the car wash. I don't uh, know. Well, where did we, didn't we hang out at the Dairy Queen back when we were teenagers? No. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we would just go and just hang out at Dairy Queen. Well, not like... No, we didn't. I guess When not. we were first married on Sundays, we would go and get Dairy Queen takeout and sit by the water. Oh, were we married when we were teenagers? I forgot. No, Mike, we weren't. We were 23 when we got married. Okay. Well, so like, remember, we were, we were in high school. We'd be like, let's go get a blizzard and we'd go uh, to Dairy Queen. Not really. No. I never... Well, here's the thing. I never went to Dairy Queen, like ever, just because I didn't. And then you came along and you're like, hey, let's go to Dairy Queen. Yeah, Mike's getting confused right now. This did not happen when we were teenagers. This happened when we were married it did yes it did no that that was with mike and jasa i'm not talking about that okay, i'm talking well, about us going separate i apparently blocked this out because i do not remember it was a this big deal to me because it was a lot of fun and i enjoyed it i find that hard to believe because when i was a teenager i had a bit of an eating disorder and there's rarely a chance in hell i would have ordered a blizzard i got you out of that i'm sure you went for like an ice cream. Uh, yeah, i don't know about that but you know yeah okay I'll, so i'll she take went, your word for well, it well it sounds like she had a good time at the dairy queen yeah so they would hang out at the car wash next to the dairy queen with the other high school kids 
Um, and then one time during her junior year, there was a construction worker that was around and his name was Johnny McLaughlin. He approached Vicky and told her that she was cute. Well, this didn't often happen to Vicky because, again, she was the wallflower. Now, all of a sudden, she's being noticed and she's liking it a whole heck of a lot. So Hormones. much. Yeah. But so much so that a few weeks later, they were married. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Teenager. <sighs> yeah, that's not good. You know, she basically just hook, line, and sinker to the first person who paid her a lick of attention. Hey, and God, you know, God bless them if uh, if you're out there and you got married very quickly, if you knew somebody. That, uh, yeah, hey, you know, who are we to say? We well, got married young, and usually that doesn't matter, and so far, so good. Yeah, and the whole thing is, is that you can't judge because everything works differently for different people, but when a teenager is meeting somebody and a few weeks later they're married, the odds are not on their side. Right. Um, Johnny was five years older than her and, um, you know, they, they did not last. They were divorced within a year and she did admit later that the reason why she did go through with the marriage was because he was one of the first boys that ever showed her attention. Sure. So, you know, she, she did admit that. So then of course they're now divorced and she's moved back in with her parents and then she graduated, um, from high school in 1984 she continued to work full-time at the nursing home. She was trying to save her money so that she could go to the junior college to then work on her nursing degree. Okay. So that kind of got hitched a bit because within six months, she was pregnant by a man named Leroy Carson. He was a self-employed mechanic. Um, but then that her nursing career kind of got put on hold because of this. So she had a son and then shortly thereafter, she gave birth to a second child, her daughter, um, Jennifer, in 1986. So her son was Curtis. He was born first. And then her son, Jennifer, was born shortly thereafter. And in the meantime... Her son, Jennifer? Daughter, Jennifer. Did I say son, yeah. Jennifer? I'm sorry. Her son, Curtis, was first. And, and then shortly thereafter, she had her daughter, Jennifer. Daughter Jennifer. Got it. And in the meantime, she and Leroy did get married. Um, <laughs> Leroy, a lot of Texas stuff. Yeah. I like it. I don't know Texas very much. I've only been there once. Well, I'm just, yeah, I, I don't know it very well either. I just assume that a lot of, you know, like I said, everybody's walking around saying, well, here's the thing. Go get yourself some barbecue. You know, you might be offending people that live in Texas. It's funny. It's funny. People, hey, we live in Florida. This place yeah, is a Yeah, there's a lot, a lot to say about Florida. Yeah, please do. That, please. that is for damn sure. Florida, man. They're all over <laughs> the place. I could probably get an alligator right outside my window. It's possible. I would go wrestle it. It's, wrestle. Really, it's truly possible. My coworker had seen her security footage had lit up because something had moved and at a time when she would potentially go out jogging early early in the morning when it was still dark there was a probably six foot alligator in the path that she would have walked down her front porch so you just never know what the hell is going to happen here in florida so anyway um you know vicky's got a lot going on right now she's got two very very young children she's married she's trying to go to school um, she's cooking, she's cleaning, she's working night shifts. So basically she's burning the candle on both ends. There's not much sleep happening, just a lot of hecticness. Um, so things got even more crazy because her parents, she had, she and Leroy had moved into a tiny house right across the street from her parents, but her parents had to relocate back to Indiana because her family member was ailing and they had to go, you know, be there for their dying grandfather. So now she doesn't have the help of her parents. So she's she's mm -hmm. basically flying solo. Um, but, you know, during this time, perhaps maybe she was stretched too thin because Leroy had described her as rough talking to the kids. She had a bad habit of slapping them. Mm. It's a bad habit. Yeah. Um, and she was often found nagging and yelling at Leroy and the children. But then again, what tired mom sometimes isn't? 
nagging and as a parent you know you 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 picture yourself shaking your kids or sometimes you know just just getting to the the end of your wits sometimes i'm not a physical person whatsoever i've never laid a hand on our children same here occasionally i might snap and be like oh why can't you guys pick up after yourselves maybe grab an arm or something is what i've done yeah i don't even do that but that's just me um so you know vicky's worn pretty thin here but during this time in 1989, she did become a licensed vocational vocational nurse, which I don't really know what the difference is in roles between that and a registered nurse. I, I We don't have them at our hospital. But she was basically promoted to night shift nurse. And um, then 1994 rolls along and Leroy's had enough. They get divorced and a couple years later. So Leroy said he would have never married Vicky had she not gotten pregnant. And not so nice, he said, she had become a stupid, boring nurse and no one cared about her. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's easy to say, you know, hindsight 2020 after people start interviewing you. He's like, hey, did she show any signs of being a serial killer? And he's like, no, man, she's stupid and I would have never married her if I didn't have kids. No, I think he actually said this to her as they were going through the divorce. Like, hey, I would have never married you had you not gotten knocked up. Well, don't be marrying people just because they're pregnant. Yeah, it's not a good idea. But, you know, people do what they got to do. Sure. So now she's single suddenly, and she's trying to lose weight, get fit, maybe get the eyes of a new man on her. Well, she's, I did look her up when you said she was cute, and um, looks like she's having those problems again. Yeah, she's you know probably not very big on exercise. She likes herself a pretty indulgent meal here and there. Yeah, I mean, I could see how she was maybe cute when she was younger. But, I don't know, yeah. maybe. But she's trying to cutesy herself up. She's getting herself a babysitter for her two kids, Curtis and Jennifer. And she's going to a country music dance hall that was called the Third Spur. So now she's got time to do things, even though she's burning the candle at both ends. But now she needs a man in her life, and she's going to find a way to get it. Yeah, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. And she does seem to kind of quickly fall into these relationships with these people. Well, just because she married somebody in three days, and then just It wasn't three days. I think it was a few weeks. A few weeks. Yeah. And then got married because she got pregnant. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she does. That makes sense. So she's going to the the third spur. She's sporting her jeans, her cowboy boots, her short Western tops. She would sit at a table near the bar and drink pina coladas. Mm, that means you're down for a good time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Actually, no. It mean, a woman that drinks pina coladas is a huge pain in the ass, from what I understand. Well, it depends on where you are. You know, like we were on the Disney cruise that one time, and, you know, you're sitting on the island or whatever, it well, feels yes. like I'm not a pina colada drinker, probably because they're like 500 calories, but... On a cruise, absolutely. At a regular um, dive bar in Texas, somebody drinking a pina colada. One, the bartender hates you already. Because you're having to you're ordering rip out the blender. A blender, yeah. That person wants to pop beers and pour whiskey. Especially at like a Western place called the Third Spur. Exactly. Stay, Men, stay away from anybody that you're going after or women. Anybody drinking a pina colada at a regular bar, stay away from them. Boy, now, you've got some gen- generaliz- it is generalizations Guaranteed here. that person's a pain in the ass. I don't know, Mike. It is. I Hey, I enjoy pina colada us too on the beach you know places and maybe sure maybe an odd one here at a Chili's if I ever go to one and they're on a two-for-one special sure but that is not my drink and if it is your drink then you're probably a very very uh, hard person to get along okay with. from the mouth of Mike Pernacki that's right email me please <laughs> so Mike at, uh, dot com. that's it her cutesy outfits weren't working she wasn't getting very much attention from the men so one day she got pretty brazen and she said the next man who walks through the door I'm gonna ask him to dance Hmm. Well, that next man was Kirk Jackson. 
He was a 31-year-old who worked at as a nursing aide at a ner- nearby nursing home. Poor son of a bitch. And two months later, on July 4th, they got married. We are very quick to get married. But have you ever met people like that that kind of just always have to be in a relationship? Uh, not really. As a man, I mean, well, yeah, I guess. But like men don't think about that too much, I don't think. We don't talk about that. You know, we we kind of talk about sports and stuff. Don't really recognize what people do. But I guess, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've definitely heard of it. And you know those people that... Yeah, they just can't live without being in And they fall so hard so fast. I I knew people like that in high school. Right. I mean, it's easy for me to say you and I have been dating since we were 16. It's been a lot easier for us than a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. So um, then they, so they're married on July 4th, and then Kirk ends up getting hired by Nakona General Hospital. He's working the night shift as a nurse's aide, and soon after, Vicky followed suit, and she got a job as a night shift LVN, the licensed vocational nurse. Um, They wanted to spend more time together. So, you know, they're working the same shifts. It's working out. So this is a very, very small hospital in Nakona, Texas. And oftentimes there was rarely more than 15 patients at a time. It was a 38 bed hospital from what I read. You know, I work at a hospital that's fairly big. It's it's like a 300 and some odd bed hospital. But yeah, 38 like, small. 38 bed is like one unit on our hospital. Yeah, like, a couple hallways. Exactly. So, you know, people in her town would describe her as very soft-spoken. She was very sweet. They knew her as a nurse who worked the night shift at the hospital because, again, it's one of those towns that everybody knows who you are. And you're a nurse and you're respected. Yeah, exactly. That was basically the label you got. Sweet, soft-spoken nurse. Um, so oftentimes she was very well known at, at the local Dairy Queen. You know, this is where she hung out as a kid and this is where she goes. It sounds like she was kind of maybe a creature of habit before she would start her night shift. Mm. She would go to the Dairy Queen about an hour or so before and order sounds like the exact same thing every single time a taco basket. Well, I was hoping you were going to say what it was. So that's good. Yes. Interesting. It, in, if, I'm, if I'm craving tacos, I go to Dairy Queen right away. <laughs> I know. I didn't even know. I mean, I don't think currently they serve tacos. <laughs> I but don't think so either. Apparently in the 80s, they did. Yeah. So this basket would come with two tacos, onion rings, and a small salad. That's so funny. I like how they toss that salad in well, for good measure. Got... I'm sure it was doused with some shit ton of ranch. If there's one thing Dairy Queen cares about, it's your health. And they want to make sure you get vegetables. <laughs> they, they want, they're very conscientious about yeah. those veggies. So she would then take the four-minute drive to her shift on the south side of town at Nakona uh, General. And she would start her shift visiting all the patients, assuring them that if they needed her, she was there. And, you know, you would assume there weren't very many nurses on staff because it is. Sweetheart, if you need me, I'm here for you. I'm just, here for you. Just give a ring. I'm Nurse Vicky. Yeah. Um, so she would check on them throughout the night, read her nursing textbooks in between. And, um, you know, again, she was referred to as a caring person. She was someone who did everything that was asked of her. She never seemed upset about what it needed to be done. She just did it. So no red flags here. So no far. red flags. No. Slapped her kids. I mean, lots of people, you know, hit got short tempered, slapped her yeah. kids a bit, nagged. Yeah, that's basically it so far. So I guess a LVN licensed vocational nurse is below an RN. So she was basically at this time, she had her. excuse me, her eyes set on becoming an RN, a registered nurse. So she started taking uh, courses at a community college. So then things started to get a little hairy in their household. Um, You know, Kirk's working the night shift with her sometimes. And on his nights off, he'd want to hang with the guys. They like to play cards, have some beers. 
And, you know, Vicky did not like this because she's got two kids. She's this is maybe her night off. She doesn't want to deal with these guys in our house drinking and playing cards. So things are getting a little rocky. They're starting to argue. She was also jealous because apparently Kirk was flirting with other pretty nurses. Mm -hmm. Who knows? And that's I mean, as a male, you know, heterosexual nurse, you'd probably have plenty of other nurse female well nurses it's to a talk to. very female generated profession so i'm sure he was probably one of the few men and there was mostly women around yeah him. a lot of attention a lot of time especially you know I, I forgot if you said he's night or day nurse but he's also night with, okay at, oftentimes they're, they're working the same shift so there's lots of time sitting around talking and getting to know each other well yeah because night shift it's a lot quieter sure. patients are sleeping you're not having doctors rounding you're not you know doing a lot of the things that are happening during the day yep so apparently Vicky wasn't liking this as, you know, I wouldn't either. Um, so things are getting rocky in the household to the point that in 1999, her son Curtis didn't want to be there anymore. So he decided he's going to escape the escalating tension and move in with his father, Leroy. So not far after, maybe a few months, Jennifer did the same. She's jumping ship and going to live with her father and brother as well. So because of this, um, now Vicky's paying Leroy child support because the kids are with him. So mm-hmm. he's she's um, paying him about $300 a month in child support. And then she's noticing that, you know, she's mentally struggling. So good for her. She begins to see a counselor at the public mental health center. She was feeling pretty deeply depressed. Doesn't sound like it's going to work, though. It, it doesn't sound like because, you know, when you're known as the angel of death, it didn't work. Yeah. not in, Spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler alert. She didn't get fixed. Um, but she was feeling depressed. She was feeling rejected and unloved, experiencing pretty big mood swings at this point. But um, she continued to also worry that Kirk was having an affair. Mm-hmm. Um, so her daughter started to notice some red flags, too. Um, when they would be spending some time together, she noticed that Vicky was staring off into space. One time she was even seen kicking the family dog. And the little the little Chihuahua, its name was Killer. Oh, yeah. What a ugh, I don't like her. I, I mean, I don't like her. Ever, well, but. especially like you know, kicking a little helpless animal, yeah. un- unacceptable. So she also revealed at this time that she could be bipolar. I don't know if she was formally diagnosed. If she was just guessing that, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, she's got to have something. <clears throat> yeah. So Jennifer wasn't sure what this meant. So she asked her mom, well, what does it mean that you're bipolar? And Vicky's response was, it means I could kill you and get away with it. I don't know if that's what it means to be bipolar, Vicky. Um, So Jennifer is feeling like something's starting to really crumble inside of her mother at this point. Well, kids, stay away from your parents if they start uh, threatening you with murder or death. Well, and to the point that her daughter was so uncomfortable that when she would occasionally spend the night at Vicky's place, she was sleeping with a baseball bat beside her bed. Mm, That's not a comfortable sleep. You know, you were talking about your sleep score on the Fitbit, and you're not going to have a good sleep score if you're worried about getting murdered in the middle of the night. Yeah, every little creak that happens, you're like gripping the baseball bats just in case your mother comes in to murder you yeah so her daughter had also described her mom as a baby face on the outside but hell on the inside mm. so she had such a very sweet unassuming meek presence but her daughter did feel like something was going on on the inside that was not good mm-hmm. so in the year 2000 it was it was a pretty rough one for vicky she had lost custody of her children. She lost a close relative who passed away. 
and she lost custody of her kids. Yes. Apparently Leroy got custody, but you know, I think at this point the kids were older, so maybe they were able to just make that decision. I'm not sure how that works. And then apparently at this time she had also suffered a miscarriage. Um, and it was attributed that it was because of the stress of all the fighting she and Kirk were, you know, doing. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of women go through miscarriage and it's something that society doesn't talk about a lot, but that's, uh, that's gotta be tough. Oh, I'm sure it's exceptionally tragic. Yeah. I mean, you know, especially how far along you are and everything you, you already get into the, the mindset of having a child. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I don't think it matters how far along you are, you know, you could be whatever, five weeks pregnant. You know, you're you're pregnant and then you're not. Yeah, exactly. So clearly something is starting to snap and all of a sudden the light switch goes on blaring on December 11th, 2000. This is when everything started. So at this point in time, Vicky was 34 years old and this is when her killing spree began on the night of December 11th, 2000. So she filled a syringe with myvicurium chloride. And again, this is a drug that paralyzes the respiratory system. I don't know... You know, if it's mostly used in surgery, I have never seen it on a med list in my hospital. I work in the ICU. I see the med list that's used when patients are being intubated. This is not a drug that we see on our medication list. So I'm not very familiar with this drug. Actually, this is the first time I'd ever heard of it. Okay. So she basically filled a syringe with this drug. So it par- paralyzes the respiratory system, which is fine if you're getting intubated and a machine is going to breathe for you. Not so fine if that's not happening. So um, she basically went looking for somebody to murder this night. So most of her victims, it happened between December 11th, 2000 and February 18th, 2001. So this was the time frame of her killing spree. It looks like it says it's an adjunct to general anesthesia. Yes, exactly. It is. But I also read intubation, provide skeletal muscle relaxation during surgery. Yes. So I don't know if it's only used during surgery. From what I read, it's also sometimes used during the intubation process, even if it's not related to surgery. Because obviously in the ICU, if somebody's going into respiratory failure, they are having to intubate them. A relaxant of some sort. Exactly. But like I said, I I had never seen it. So anyway, her killing spree was between December 11th, 2000 and February 18th, 2001. And they were mostly local residents because, again, this is a very small town. It's a 38-bed hospital. You see these people in the hospital, you know them. Yeah. So often she knew these people and had some sort of connection with them which i mean any kind of killing is horrible but something where you have that human connection already and then you're still okay with killing these people that is completely fucked yeah because you know that they're a mother and you know again it doesn't matter you shouldn't be killing anybody you're not thinking logically but you know that they have this family and you're still willing to off them so there's that human connection that she's missing completely yes exactly so her first victim was donnie jennings it was a, a very elderly person. This was a 100-year-old widow. She was known to be demanding. Um, Vicky had said she complained a lot, and she'd spit on you and strike you with her hand if she didn't get what she wanted. But I liked her very much. <laughs> I like how she followed up with that. Now, you have to keep in mind, too, these patients are in the hospital, and oftentimes when people are in the hospital, they may get a switch in their personality. They could get confused. Um, you know, at night especially, it's called sundowning. It's, you know, even if you're alert and oriented during the day at night, you get confused. And with confusion, oftentimes comes combativeness. Because they don't know what's going on. They don't know. Defensive. Of course, they're scared. And what are you going to do when somebody's coming at you? You're going to strike. So apparently Donnie was getting a little combative. Um, So Vicky pays her a little visit. 
into her room and likely used a port in Jennings IV to inject the myvicorium chloride. Excuse me. So within seconds, Donnie was not doing well. She was turning blue. She was foaming at the mouth because of the, you know, her lungs were basically paralyzed. She couldn't breathe. Um, she was unable to call out because she couldn't breathe. So she basically suffocated to death. Oh, wow. So it just shuts down respiratory, but you can move and stuff still? Apparently, yes, you um, can. But it's, obviously, you know, you're more worried, why the hell can't I breathe? And you're trying to free yourself up from unable to breathe. But, yes, because wow. it's it's basically paralyzing their skeletal muscle. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. So Gosh, it's got to be extremely die. scary. You're oh, just completely conscious and just... You know, something that has been done involuntarily your whole life just completely shuts down. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess it would be similar to like if, you know, like a grape got lodged in your throat and you can't breathe. Well, at least you feel that. It's yeah. like you kind All of, of a sudden your lungs are just shutting down. Yeah, it's almost like you forget how to breathe. Oh, and you're kind of trying to train your body. Like, <gasps> oh, it's getting me short of breath just thinking about it. I guarantee everybody listening to this is taking an extra breath. Oh, that's awful. Ugh. So she was found by a nurse's aide at 1.45 a.m., um, even though her vitals had been perfectly normal when she had been last checked on after midnight. But, you know, at 100 years old, it's not very suspicious. You're in the hospital for a reason. You're not you're not feeling well, and you're 100. So not much is being thought of this. Natural causes, it's, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, exactly. So nothing suspicious at this point Nobody's in time. Nobody's sending her to, uh, to get checked out. It, nobody's getting an autopsy, autopsy. done. Right. No. So Vicky's standing at the nurse's station when she hears of the death and said... She would call the family because she knew the family. Yeah. You oh, know, small town. Nice. Yep. Uh, Jennings' daughter had said, but I just saw her earlier that night. Mama smiled at me. Vicky apologized for her loss. She went downhill fast. Yeah. Oh, bless your heart. Yeah. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch angel. <laughs> Bitch angel of death. So then on the early morning hours of December 20th, Vicky enters 87-year-old farmer L.G. Hudson's room. He had been admitted with a broken leg. She injected him with a myvicurium chloride, and less than 20 minutes later, she walked into Sanford, I'm sorry, yeah, Sanford Mitchell's room. He was a 62-year-old retired supervisor of an electric company who came to the hospital because he had cirrhosis, which is, you know, issues with your liver. So then she went back into LG's room where the staff was attempting to resuscitate him and said, y'all, somebody needs to check on Mr. Mitchell. He slumped over. It's like, um, Vicky, you are a nurse here. Why are you walking over to this room to tell the staff that he's in distress? Hmm. So in 20 minutes, she she's getting off on it, obviously. But wouldn't that raise flags? Like if you were like, why aren't you attending? Well, maybe she needs Mr. More, Mitchell. It's more than one person kind of thing. Perhaps. I don't know. But she wasn't in any hurry to mm. report this news. Okay. So this is December 20th now. She's knocked off these two poor men. So now four days later, it's Christmas Eve. She killed 50-year-old Barbara Atbury, who came in for back pain. So, you know, a 50-year-old with back pain is a lot harder to suspicious yeah a lot more suspicious that's that yeah that's that has nothing to do with any kind of cardiovascular stuff exactly and, but same thing though with the other two yeah broken you know leg or whatever. i don't yeah. know why why her first person had been there donnie jennings but you know lg is there for a broken bone and 
Mr. Mitchell's there for cirrhosis. Well, Donnie Jennings was old, so it could be any. Yeah, granted, he was almost 90. Yeah. But, you know, Mr. Mitchell was only 62. Yeah. So now she's going to kill 50-year-old Barbara Atbury, who, again, came in for back pain. The following day, she went into 87-year-old Boyd Burnett's room. He had been admitted because he because of confusion. So she does those two on that date. And then five days later, on December 29th, she killed 80-year-old James Gore. He had come to the hospital. He had aspirated on his food. So then seven hours later, on the exact same night, she walked into 79-year-old Gertie Matthews' room. She was there for a UTI. Mm. So all these patients had been attempted to be resuscitated by the staff, but it was unsuccessful. So in all of these instances, Vicky's just standing in the back of the room saying very little, just kind of watching and observing. So a lot of two at a time. Um, the, the, her last three of them was like LG and Sanford, and then Barbara and Boyd, and then James and Gertie. It's like uh, she's just kind of doing something to get through her days. Yep. It's like it's something to get uh, excited about. It was almost like became a hobby. Like that's ugh, and trying trying to figure out her victims probably. What I always wonder is how long she thought about this before she ended up doing it. Um, like, you know, obviously she knew of this drug. She worked there and knew what it did. Mm-hmm. You know, I just wonder at what point in time this thought came into her mind. Well, the first one being so old, 100 years old, you think that was more of a test kind of thing. See how much she has to give until, it, you know, and then nobody's going to ask any questions. And then then she started getting younger and younger. So she kind of wants to get caught at this time. I, it sounds like, like, just you're you're not thinking. Obviously, we talk about logic a lot here, and that's and out the logic's window. not present. Yeah, yeah. But that's just, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, you wonder if she thought about her victims throughout the week. Because it, it's like she takes, what, four or five days between murders here? So, you know, she probably works a couple days and, you know, decides who she's getting annoyed at or something. I, whatever it might be. Whatever reason it is. Yeah, something sets her off. So, um, you know, as I said, her killing spree began December 11th. So in the month of December of 2000, seven patients died from respiratory arrest. Wow. So none of these patients had a history of respiratory issues. Um, two patients stopped breathing within minutes of each other. So it was like, boom, boom. She's room to room. Um, and again, this is a tiny hospital. Like, Any- stuff like this doesn't... It, it would be rare in my own hospital for this to happen. Like, right. what the shit is going on here? The daily deaths are well known by Exa- everybody. Oh, there. yes. Very well known. Yeah. And the fact that this tiny little hospital has seven patients in the month of December. You know, I wonder in years past... What, what does each month show on average? Probably very little. Yeah. So um, basically, no one is suspecting anything is off. The chief of staff, Dr. Den- Len Dingler, thought that they were having, quote, a run of bad luck. Well, yeah, you wouldn't think. Because who's suspecting sure. that there's a monster within the walls of the hospital? Right. Or, you know, you might think it's an infection of some sort. You got to identify the, uh, or, uh, what's the blood infection? Sepsis. Called? Sepsis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they probably know about that. But, but. Your, your brain's not going to that dark place that one of your own is doing this, yeah. you know? Yeah. So then CEO Charles Norris, Chuck Norris, oh. <laughs> when I wrote his name, I was yeah. like, oh, Charles Norris. He didn't suspect anything because the majority of the deaths were elderly patients. So, you know, granted, there was a 50-year-old and a 62-year-old in there, but still. Yeah. So then now we're moving on to the new year. We're in January of 2001. During the first eight days of January, five more patients had have died from respiratory arrest. Mm. So during this time, the local paper 
happened to run an article on the hospital, like basically advertising and appraising it. Um, So this is in the Nakona News. They did a full page advertisement for the hospital featuring the hospital's nurses and aides. And it read that nurses are some of the many stars who offer quality, compassionate care at Nakona General Hospital. And it's true. It's very true. But unfortunately, this bad seed was wreaking havoc in the background. It was just odd timing yeah, for this. Yeah, little did they know upon praising the entire nursing staff, one of them was actually the exact opposite. <laughs> and who at the very top of the ad was pictured but little nurse Vicky herself? Well, because she's cute on the outside. And there she was with a smile on her face. Mm. Ooh, devil. Probably loved it. Yeah, exactly. So now it's mid-January, and she injected Mivacurium chloride into Jimmy Ray Holder as his wife sat at the bedside. It's just getting more daring and daring, and it's getting more exciting for her. Yeah. Ugh. So then she goes into 95-year-old Oma Weiler's room. She hit Oma twice because her first hit wasn't successful. Mm. So she rounded back around and saw that she was still alive. She or he or she, I don't know. They didn't say if it was a man or a woman. I know sounds like a girl. It's okay. It was Oma. Oma. Um, so she went in twice and was successful on her second try. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, townspeople are starting to notice because of the obituaries, you know, these people (laughs) sitting, that's how big of a deal it is. They're reading their paper and they're noticing that the obituaries that have been run in the Nakona news, what was typical was about maybe three to four per week. Now we're looking at five to six per week. Yeah. Almost, you know, 50% increase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So not only were people noticing the increase in the obituaries, but the floral shops now are having way more business. <laughs> like, yes, this is working out really <laughs> yes. well. They were experiencing record-breaking business spikes. Wow. So the, the dumbass CEO, what I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, I I'd, yeah I'd hate to say that, but I mean, it was a glaring thing. Yeah, if everybody else is starting to notice, like, I mean, find the root cause. Obviously, they're looking for the root cause. It's, I would assume in the yeah. background, they're like, what the hell? I should hope so. I should hope so. So if, at this, If not, then yeah, they shouldn't have their jobs, but yes. yeah. And funeral homes were so busy that they were discussing buying more hearses. Hmm. Um, now, the one that was taking a hit was the sweet local Dairy Queen. They were supplying like the receptors. What are they called? Um, like the receptions that somebody hosts after a funeral. And catering and such. Yeah, and- they were supplying the paper goods to okay. these homes for the families. And one of the employees had joked that if things keep up as they are, they're basically going to run out of paper goods. Right. So, you know, the townsfolk were definitely noticing something was going on. So... Um, a few of the nurses, which I find this line to be ridiculous, a few of the nurses had begun to notice the increase in deaths. <laughs> you don't say. Well, that's crazy. Like, the entire freaking town is all about it, and the nurses just noticed. Like, that's a stupid line. It just, it didn't seem, from what I read, very glaring in the hospital. Right. Like, it didn't feel to me that it was up in arms yet. Like, obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty, but it's, uh, yeah, you would think such a small town that would set off a lot of bells. Right to put the pieces of the puzzle or try to anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, some even were jokingly referring to the night shift as the killing crew because it was all happening at night. Mm. 
So little did they know that yes, that that is what's happening. There's that, a member of the crew that is killing people, and that's just the thing too. It's not only that these people are dying, but it's all on the night shift. Yeah. Like, what the hell is going on? One of the nurses did begin to correlate Vicky's presence in the room. Ah. She started to notice that those that were dying, oftentimes Vicky was the last person that had been attending to that person. Okay. So now we're getting somewhere. The pieces were starting to slide into place. Um, and oftentimes when these things were going down and this patient was going into respiratory arrest, Vicky would all always be seen casually. And that's the word that's like in highlight here. It's mm-hmm. she's casually walking up to the nurse's station to announce that somebody wasn't doing well or having trouble breathing. Any medical profession knows that when a crisis is happening, you're not casually walking, you're sprinting. Yeah, you got seconds to save the life of this person. It's a life or death it, situation. It's obvious she's not interested in saving these people. Right, and you would think, though, that she would have pretended a little bit better. But at the same time, her in her mind, she wants them dead. So the more time she takes, the more Exactly, chance but dead. I'm saying to protect the facade yeah. that she's Maybe not... Maybe stand, yeah, sit in the room for another five minutes. And, and then, then run. Yeah. Exactly, I, I don't know. Yeah. Lord knows what was going on in her head. Yeah. Um, one nurse had noticed that Vicky's eyes would glaze over as if she was in a fog when a patient was acting rude or out of control. It was like something would almost like come over her. Yeah. Like I, people's dilate like, Oh, this is going to be the next one. Exactly. And then she would be the first to want to attend to that patient saying, I'll take care of it or I'll fix it. And you know, again, in a hospital, there can be a lot of unruly people. So, <laughs> just the the phrase i'll fix it that's weird exactly so um there were some correlations to some of the people that were killed that one 50 year old patient that had come into the hospital for back pain barbara she um had you know known vicky boyd burnett who was the 87 year old that had the confusion Mm -hmm. they had family members that would make fun of vicky in high school Ah. so whether or not that had something to do with it you know i don't know um, Sanford Mitchell, he was the patient that was there with cirrhosis. He would stare at her breasts and call Vicky nurse tits. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you would get a kick out of that. That's uh, that's pretty funny. I mean, it's not outside my uh, capabilities when I'm 80 or 90. I I, now, Unfortunately, you put that in my head now. So I'm <laughs> I sure hope it's you gonna, n- never call a nurse nurse tits. It's going to come up from my subconscious. I'll be like, hey, nurse tits. <laughs> yeah, right. So perhaps it had something to do with the this. Perhaps it didn't. Who knows? Yeah. Um, well, on, they probably had stories like, oh, are you the Vicky from whatever uh, high school? Oh, uh, you knew blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then it would pop, probably pop in her head like that person yeah, made fun of me. And then, yeah, end of that person. Exactly. So now we're into January 11th, 2001. Um, 82-year-old machinist JT Nichols. He was at the hospital with pneumonia. He was found dead, and then three hours later, 78-year-old rancher and oilman John Williams was found. He had been admitted because of a sore on his foot. Um, So Vicky wanted to be the one to talk to John's family, so she waited out front for them to arrive, and the first to arrive was John's son, Pat. Um, she, She was voicing her condolences to Pat. She had told him that that night she had taken John outside earlier for a smoke, and she told Pat that John had said, I've lived a good life and I'm ready to go. Pat didn't understand that because John had been at the hospital with a sore on his foot. Yeah. He wasn't there with anything life threatening. So, you know, Pat found that very odd. Yeah. I was like, why would he even bring up death? 
Yeah, that his father would even say that. Yeah. So, you know, this was definitely something that was a little head scratching. And then, you know, he also found it extremely traumatizing when he entered his father's hospital room. He said that he recalled that his mouth was open as if he had been screaming. How horrible is that? Mm, Horrible. And he thought that he looked like a ghoul in a horror movie. What an awful picture that you're seeing your father like this. Well, he you know asphyxiation so or whatever it, it might be called so you know he probably turned blue or gray because uh, he's not breathing exactly know. and he probably was trying to yell out for help or trying to gasp for air or whatever it might be oh very hard um so during the entire year of 2000 there had not been one single complaint about vicky from any of the patients nothing none of the patients none of the staff so she was very good at acting all sweet and cutesy mm-hmm um, so now it's January 30th and, you know, things are continuing to spiral out of control. She injected 82 year old Orville Moore's IV. He had called Vicky a fat ass at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, it was the day before. Um, and then minutes later, this one is just unbelievable. This is a 14 year old girl uh. named Lydia Weatherred. She had been in the hospital recovering from appendicitis um so lydia knew vicky's children because lydia herself is only 14 so she knew vicky's children and rumor had it that she had turned down vicky's son curtis for a date Ah. so who knows so vicky greeted lydia as she injected the myvicurium chloride into her iv as her mother sat at the bedside um all of a sudden she told her mother that her chest hurt and she began to complain as she clawed at her throat as her mother's just sitting there. Yeah. So of course, thank goodness her mother was there because she has a voice. Her mother begins to scream. And luckily a doctor who was there attending to Orville Moore was able to quickly swoop into the room with the other nurses. And thankfully Lydia survived this. Holy cow. Really? Yes. Wow. I wonder how they, they it, identified it, it. Cause that's like a drug. That's something that's, purposely driven to shut things down right but because her mom was there to speak for her and because the doctor was right there resuscitating the other patient that vicky had put down the staff was ready to go you know their adrenaline's pumping they rush into lydia's room they're there to save her not to mention what's on their brain last resuscitating somebody in you know in the same situation so they're ready to do it they they you know the treatment starts right away exactly they're already pumped up and ready to go wow but, you know, also there, it's like, holy shit, we just came from a room doing the exact same thing. And now we're entering a 14-year-old girl's room who's there with appendicitis. Yeah, enough is enough. This is fucked. Like, what the hell like, is going on? So, thankfully, Lydia was revived. So, now, the very following day, she's going into a 46-year-old's room. So, this is Donna Kernetz. Um, this is just before change of shift. So this is in the morning before the like the 7 a.m. crew, whatever their shift changes is coming in. Um, thankfully, Donna was able to reach her call bell and whisper, I can't breathe. I'm having a reaction. So again, thank God she was able to speak because then qu- quickly doctors and nurses, just like Lydia, rushed to her aid. Um, and at this time... There was shouting that 35-year-old Lisa Pelkey had gone into respiratory distress. Oh, my God. So in the, this exact time frame, 46-year-old and 35-year-old are crashing. Mm-hmm. So Lisa used um, used to see Vicky at the third spur. I don't know that they knew each other, but Lisa knew Vicky. She, you know, from seeing her there. Yeah. 
So sadly, Donna never regained consciousness. She was the one that was able to whisper into her call oh, well. Okay. So a few weeks later, she ended up passing away, sadly. I mean, a 46-year-old woman. And then Lisa, she ended up being intubated and saved. Okay. So she survived, thankfully. So now this is four respiratory arrests in two days. Uh, intubation is what's saving these people. So putting them on a machine that'll breathe for them. Because I don't they know. Do I don't know if Lydia was intubated. That, yeah. They didn't say that, but Lisa was. Well, I'm just trying to think in my head. How would you save somebody where a drug is purposely shutting down their breathing? Um, <clears throat> so that makes some sense. Yeah, exactly. So maybe maybe Lydia had been. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. So now it's four people in two days. Very young people. You know, granted, there was an 82-year-old. So in these four days, it's 82, 14, 46, and 35. Predominantly very young people. Mm-hmm. Um, so people are now... The, the alarm bells are definitely ringing. People are very suspicious. On February 6th, a pharmacy technician approached the chief of staff, Len Dingler, notified him that at least 10 vials of myovicurium chloride were missing from one of the crash carts. Mm -hmm. A crash cart is there with drugs that are needed to resuscitate somebody. Somebody crashes, you have some certain products available. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, So hospital records were reviewed, and not only had Vicky been working each night somebody had died, but again, she was often the last person seen attending to these people. Yeah, this is an open and shut case almost. Right, but there still is no definite proof that it's her. Right. So they can't do anything about it. They're suspicious big time. The spotlight is on her, but there's no proof. Gotta catch her. Yeah, what do they do? She's continuing to work. You, Yeah, well, you assign somebody uh, secretly and you say, watch her, then we'll get her red-handed. Exactly. So hospital officials have maintained that the authorities were notified as soon as they realized that there was problems, but it it did end up that the drug may have been missing for nearly two months before police were called. Of course. So after... Well, it took that pharmacist saying something. Yeah, it did. It took... And they didn't have the tracking back then that they do now because of shit like this. Well, one, you know, drug abuse, and then two, uh, yeah, just, you know, the danger that it could come with just leaving drugs wide open that could kill people. Extremely dangerous. So the after-hours log at the pharmacy had shown that Mivacron was replaced on the crash cart four times between November 23rd, 2000 and January 9th, 2001 without any corresponding charges to the patients. Right. So, you know, when you go to give a medication, they're scanning an armband so that, where is this med going? It's a tracker. The hospital wants to get paid on the drugs too. And for safety. Sure. So there were no correlation with it being used for certain patients. Trust me, in America, it's mostly because of profit, but yeah. Well, who knows? (laughs) Um, and they know that one vial had been taken on the overnight shift between January 30th and the 31st of 2001. And that's what really triggered the facility's internal investigation. You know, drugs are missing and it's a, a very powerful drug. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, at the same time, Vicky is continuing to work because there's no proof that she's the one responsible. So at this time, her own husband Kirk, his grandfather had come to the hospital because he had a high fever and cellulitis. And his name was E.E. Preacher Jackson. He was 91 years old and a former cotton farmer. So slowly and quietly, Vicki approaches the nurse's station and states she believed that Preacher Jackson was dead. She then told Kirk, who went outside and wept. So she's really hitting it close to home, her own you know, grandfather-in-law, basically. She's off the deep end. Yeah, and who knows if this was just to get back at Kirk, who was, 
you know, she was suspecting was cheating on her. I'm sure there's something in her stupid little head that makes this worth it. Yeah. So two days later, the hospital CEO, good old Chuck Norris, Chuck Norris, <laughs> Char- Charlie Norris, comes in with his nunchucks. Um, he met the police with police chief officer Kent Holcomb to discuss the deaths. The FBI is getting involved as well as the Texas Rangers. They had no physical evidence still to prove that Vicky was responsible for murdering these patients. So they decided to set up a hidden camera that was directed at the supply of the mybacurium chloride to hope to catch her. Um, but life continued on and staff even hosted a potluck birthday party for Vicky. Right. Because, you know, her birthday was in February. I guess her mother-in-law, too. They, they hosted a, a joint party between Vicky and her mother-in-law. Well, yeah. I mean, she's still a member of the staff. and Exactly. And Vicky was said to say, thank y'all. Thank y'all. Y'all are... Uh, so wonderful. I don't know. You don't even know what this means to me. So despite being celebrated, she continues on her death rampage. So a couple of days after the party in the early morning hours of February 17th, 61 year old patient Donnelly Reed was preparing to be discharged home. Um, when Vicki approached the nurse's station saying, you better go check on Mr. Reed. He's making snorting horse like sounds. Thankfully, Reed was able to be resuscitated by doctors and nurses. When Reed was questioned what happened, he was able to tell his story. He said that a blonde-haired nurse had come into his room and put something into his IV. She had smiled and said, can I do anything else for you? Ugh, so creepy. Yeah. What a snake. So then two days later, it's February 19th, law enforcement is now investigating more closely, Vicky. Well, also, they're probably asking the right questions at this time. So maybe to that guy, they're like, hey, anybody come into your room? Like any anything that was injected or any pills that you took that you can remember? And po- probably knowing in the back of their head, there, yeah, there was probably an injection. Were there any injections? Oh, well, yeah, there was this blonde nurse that came in. and just, Yep, yeah. and that's exactly what happened right before he couldn't breathe. Yeah. So now the police are going to her home to start to investigate. And what do they found, find in the garbage can of her home? Uh, a vial. Of, yeah. A vial of myvicurium chloride. Okay. So, you know, of course, Kirk is also living in this home and also works at the hospital. So the thing is, is that the spotlight remained on Vicky because a lot of these deaths, Kirk wasn't even working that night. Yeah. But um, both... Kirk and Vicky ended up being fired on February 20th. They just basically didn't want any association with the two of them. Yeah. And they were both let go. So Vicky had absolutely no shame during this time. All these people have died. The spotlight is on her and she is still flouncing around town, just ordering her taco baskets at Dairy Queen, acting like nothing's happening. If somebody would give her a side eye or question, she would say she had nothing to do with any of the deaths. I can't believe they're just like firing her. And that's, I mean, you don't want her in there, obviously, because you got to prevent the deaths. But I I can't believe they couldn't have caught her. She's probably being a little more careful at this point, too. Yeah. So, and I guess I'm not sure why she hadn't been arrested at the time they found the vial in her garbage can. I'm not sure what was going on in the background. Well, because she's a nurse and she has it in her thing. Yeah. It doesn't mean that she injected it into somebody for the purpose of killing them i don't know that an lvn would ever have any business with this drug mm. you know what i'm saying yeah like why why an anesthesiologist did you... yes sure. exactly or, yeah yeah I, depending on the doctor ordering it who knows yeah but, yeah so um she's running around town as if nothing's happening and she bumps into um pat remember her his father john had passed away and um he you know said john had said oh i've lived a good life blah 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 oh yeah 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 so she bumps into pat 
and, you know, approaches him as if nothing's wrong, says, it's great to see you. How have you been? And Pat had been so shaken, like with rage that she just walked up to him like this, that he got on the phone with his wife and was like, I just, I didn't even know what to say to her. If it had been a man that had possibly done this, I would have put him through a plate glass window. So everyone knew Vicky was somehow responsible for this. Um, and then during this time, Thur- uh, Kirk, you know, he's telling his friends Vicky's been unhappy, though he could not imagine that she was so unhappy that it pushed her to kill people. Yeah, I mean, you don't think your significant others out there killing people. You know, but he still was just beside himself with the situation. He did end up leaving town. He told Vicky he was having trouble sleeping, and he had been having trouble sleeping. He was having nightmares about her stabbing him with a needle in the night and killing him. Well, Can you imagine sleeping next to this person you're suspecting could kill you? So there's multiple people in her house worried about being killed by her. Exactly. Jesus. Um, shortly after Kirk left, Vicky returned to the third spur and was wearing her little short Western tops, acting like nothing's amiss. So then police begin the job of proving that Vicky had murdered these patients. So they start exhuming bodies of pa- patients that had passed away in June of 2001, and families began to sue the hospital for negligence. Lydia Weatherred, which is the mom of, um, or I'm sorry, Lydia, the 14-year-old, um, her mom had wrote a paper, or I'm sorry, let me backtrack. Lydia wrote a paper for her high school English class about her near-death experience, and she had also had said that she was considering herself going to nursing stu- school, saying that hospitals could use better nurses. Mm-hmm. So, you know, thankfully she survived to tell the story. Um, so, you know, Vicky's still carrying on. She gets a job in Gainesville, which is just east of Nakona. She's working as a nurse. Ugh. Yeah, this well, is, of course. I mean, that's all she has. That's all she knows. She, this isn't a nursing home, um, but she was fired within a few weeks because she was accused of stealing meds. Nice. So yeah. Getting, okay. That one was better at tracking it. Exactly. So now it's July 2002, and she's working a shift at a deli counter at a grocery store when she was arrested. And the deli manager was so shocked, saying they have the wrong person. She was delightful. She loved telling funny stories. So she was very good at pretending like little old me couldn't be me. Well, the customers love her. They call her sandwich tits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not not nurse tits, but sandwich tits. Yeah. Sammy tits. So... um she denied having any wrongdoing um, when she would be talking with her inmates. Um, she said she loved being a nurse and she would never hurt anyone. They need her to, to be the one to say, I did it. That's where they, they and need. Yeah. Really, it never happened. But the lawyers had sent a box of evidence to the prison so that she could review them and be ready for the trial. And one of her um, prison mates had, I guess there were pictures of some of these exhumed bodies in this package that he had sent. And um, the the inmate that was with Vicky had commented just, you know, how awful it must be for the families of those that were killed. And apparently Vicky responded by saying, screw those families. Mm-hmm. So she, she, she would show a bit of a dark side to her, but yeah. never would admit that she was responsible for doing this. Wow. So now three years have passed. 
as the lawyers are preparing for her trial, but Vicki decided to plead no contest on 10 capital murder charges. She felt that it was very important to her that a jury never find her guilty of murder. She never admitted to it, and she was never convicted of murder, and this was very important to her. She was sentenced to life in prison, and at age 55, she remains incarcerated at Christina Melton Crane Unit at the Gatesville Prison. And um, she has the earliest possible parole in 2042. It's like you have a life sentence, and how do you have a possibility for parole? 21 years, she's she's you know up for possible parole. Yeah, and I guess you know people change quite a bit. I yeah, I'm not. I certainly wouldn't want this woman walking around the streets. Hell no, nowhere close to a hospital. Like she should be somewhere where there's not a hospital within hundreds of miles, and she doesn't have a. Oh gosh. Well, I would imagine that her nurse, her nursing license would be you know forever revoked. Yeah. But somebody that has the ability to just slide in and out of these people's rooms and do such awful things is capable of a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of her pictures online, I noticed she has very like blank, soulless eyes. Well, yeah, you're going to be showing this picture of this woman. Yeah, that killed a bunch of people. Oh, gosh. Uh, it's just disgusting. Like, it, oh, man. So that <laughs> is the story of Vicki Don Jackson. You know, it's crazy that she was getting sloppier and sloppier, yet still she won't say that she did it. That's what gets me. Yeah. That she never would take ownership of it and maintain that she wanted to help people and didn't do these things. Mm-hmm. I always hate that when somebody's caught and they just won't freaking admit it. You know, it's kind of like watching those uh, you know datelines where they have no you know ending to the story. It's like and they're still on the loose and we don't know where they are. I know. Good luck sleeping tonight. It's very hard. It's a tough pill to swallow, but at least she is behind bars. Yeah, exactly. You know, rather than some of these people who get get by. Right. Oh, God, what a horrible human being. Well, especially when people are in the hospital, they're vulnerable, and they are not in control of what's happening to them. They're not, they're they're taking meds that are handed to them. They're out of their comfort zone of their home and trusting people, the people that walk into the room, they are trusting them. I always remember that when I'm entering a patient's room, like, I'm in their space, I wait for them to invite me in i knock on the door can i come in because i don't want to barge into the room like they have the right to have privacy and they're powerless largely very 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 powerless in the hospital and that's i think often too why some patients can be unruly is because they're taking their fear in a form of like you know agitation yeah and this nasty witch preyed on these people and and killed them yeah they're there to the the most they can do is just kind of trust you that you're doing the right thing for them and and uh, sadly too the family members who are left to grieve their family or their family members in the hospital trying to get care for their ailment and they get killed yeah it's just awful i mean thank goodness the 14 year old survived but so many people that didn't need to die every everybody didn't need nobody needed to die even I don't care if the woman was 100 years old, the first victim. I don't care. No. She's a human being that wasn't meant to die like that. Mm. Well, good thing there's, you know, things like this need to happen so that we have more checks and balances in the system. And obviously, the smaller towns probably don't have as much access to technology and checking in and out. But now it's a barcode thing. It's pretty Exactly. So it's it's cheap. You can you know, identify it, and that that's how we 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 change and learn as a society is you know, by yeah. the mistakes we've made. Exactly. So, uh, well, good. Thanks for uh, researching that story. Yeah, that was no an problem. One. Yeah, and uh, and the the whole woman thing. You know, it's it's a lot of white males is what you hear in the serial killer. Area. Right. You do not hear of a lot of females doing these things, yes. but they're definitely out there. Yeah. So 
yeah, you're never safe. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, hey, um, thanks for researching it. We appreciate it. I'm on next week. I can't wait. Yes. I can't wait to just kick back, sip my coffee, and do little to no work. Yeah. It's going to be even better than yours. So watch out. But thank you all for joining us. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.